All right, as our children go out, if you'll turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 50. That ought to be real easy to find this morning. First book of the Bible, just go 50 chapters. Well, let me back up and go to, uh, I am going to be in 50. I'm actually going to be on 37 through 50. How about that? But let's go to Genesis chapter 37. We'll start there first. I want to ask you this morning, I, I've, I've, I guess I, I've got a, a good friend of mine that is, we'll talk about it in a few minutes, uh, that is going through a difficult time right now, and, and sometimes it's hard to wonder why. You know, you just wonder why you have to go through this, why the difficult times come. And, and uh, I want to talk to you this morning about a man that, I've always liked this story, and and I, every time I read it, I get more out of it. Every time I look at it, I see it in a different perspective. But but I want to ask you this morning: Have any of you ever just been in a in a pit? You just ever been in a bad way, and, or maybe you've gone through some things in your life, and you said, you know, if this wouldn't have happened to me, I would be X. Am I alone on that? Did anybody else feel ever feel that way? Just you know, if it could be you fill in the blanks. I mean, it could be health reasons, could be job reasons, it could be family reasons. There's all kinds of reasons that we look and we, a lot of times we'll look back on our lives and say, you know, if it just wouldn't have been this way, maybe I could have done this. If it if this wouldn't have happened in my life, I I would be better off. Or 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 all the different things that you can think of. But I want you to look, and we're all familiar, very familiar passage. You hear about him in Sunday school and, and vacation Bible school as a child about Joseph, the, the man with the coat of many colors. Anybody ever heard that story? The coat of many colors in the Bible? Have you ever looked at the life of Joseph and the things that he did and the hardships that he went through? really of absolutely no fault of his own other than he made his brothers mad. But Joseph, uh, i give you a point, uh, bring you up to where we'll begin reading. Um, Joseph was a, a, a son of Jacob. He had 12 uh, or 11 other brothers. And, uh, and uh, Jacob loved Joseph. And even to the point where the, the uh the other brothers thought, well, Dad loves Jacob more than he does us. Anybody ever been there? I know I'm adopted. My mom and dad love my, love my brothers and sisters way more than they love me. We all go through that kind of, am I really adopted? I mean, why, you know, we all feel that way at some point in our life. But they sincerely felt this way. They, they despised Joseph. Uh, they were jealous of Joseph. The father made them a, a coat of many colors. And, and to add insult to injury, Joseph has a dream. And he dreams this dream, and he talks about how the, these sheaths will, will rise up, and, but his sheath will, will rise up, and all the others, the other 11, will worship him or come to him. And, and what he basically interprets the dream is that that. Uh, Joseph, uh, this young 17-year-old boy, and he's got older brothers, he says, y'all are going to come and bow down before me someday. 
Well, I'm sure that went over good, right? They already didn't like him because Daddy always liked him better. Who's the Smothers Brothers? You say Dad always liked you. Mom and Dad always liked you best. But then Joseph has this dream, and, and that sort of makes him mad. And then uh, he has another dream. And now, this time, not only is he saying the brothers will come and bow down before him, he says, Mom and Dad, you're going to do it too. And it sort of got uh, Jacob a little bit ruffled around the feathers. You know, he, uh, he's a uh, son, are you saying that I'm going to come bow down to you someday? Well, that's what the dream was about. He said, well, the brothers got even madder about it, but, but Jacob thought, you know, that just can't be right, but who knows? Maybe God's telling my son something. And so uh, they went off from that, and, and the brothers went out to tend the flocks. And, uh, and uh, is, we'll start reading here uh, about verse, well, let me start from verse 18. Uh, before that, Jacob asked his son at, at the age of 17, he said, aren't your brothers feeding the flocks in Shechem? And I, yeah, Dad, they're, they're, they're feeding them there. And he says, well, I want you to go and check on your brothers and make sure all is well there. Make sure everything's good there. And, and come back to me and, and let me know how they're going. So we're going to pick up in verse 18. And it says, when, when they, the brothers, here, here comes Joseph, sent by the father to check on them. And, and when they, the brothers, saw him afar off, even uh, came before him near unto them, they conspired against him to slay him. Well, there's some brotherly love, isn't it? So they see Joseph coming, and they are so filled with bitterness and anger and jealousy and, and all these feelings toward their brother, they see him coming out in the wilderness, and this says, this is a perfect opportunity. There's no witnesses. We'll just slay him here, right here, and, and uh, they conspire, and they, they think about this idea, and they said one another, Behold, the dreamer cometh. They still got the dreams on their mind. Here comes this dreamer. This one that dad loves the most. Come now, therefore, let us slay him and cast him into some pit. And we will say some evil beast hath devoured him and we shall, and, and we shall see what will become of his dreams then. We'll put an end to these dreams, this little punk kid, 17-year-old kid. How dare he say we will fall down and worship him? And Reuben heard it. Now, Reuben's one of the brothers, and he's one probably with the most sense. He said, oh, now, come on, guys. This is our flesh and blood. This is our brother. And he heard what they were talking about, and he, he delivered him out of their hands and said, let us not kill him. This is flesh and blood. Come on, guys. He's only 17. Just, just overlook it. Can you imagine the conversation they must have had? There's no need to kill him. And Reuben said to them, shed no blood, but cast him into this pit that is here in the wilderness. In other words, just teach him a lesson. You know, maybe he needs to be humble just a little bit. Uh, I'm, I'm adding to this, but you can imagine the conversation. And, no lay, and lay no hand upon him that he might rid him out of, the hand, out of their hands to deliver him to his father again. So Reuben standing up for Joseph, and it came to pass when Joseph was coming to his brethren, they stripped Joseph out of his coat, 
out of his coat of many colors, his coat of many colors that was on him. And they took him and cast him in the pit, and the pit was empty, and there was no water in it. And they sat down to eat bread, and they lifted up their eyes and looked, and behold, a company of Ishmaelites came from Gilead, and their camels bearing spicery and balm and myrrh, going to carry it to Egypt. And Judah, another brother, said unto the brethren, What profit is it if we should slay our brother and conceal his blood? Come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites, and let not our hands be upon him, for he is our brother and our flesh. And his brethren were content. Then there passed the Midianites' merchantmen, and they drew and lifted up Joseph out of the pit and sold Joseph to the Ishmaelites for 20 pieces of silver, and they brought Joseph into Egypt. Father, as we study your word, Lord, I pray that you give me the words to say. I pray that the Holy Spirit would be free to lead us and, and guide us into the truth of your word. Lord, just help us to listen carefully what you have for us this morning to encourage us and to lift our hearts. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So here we are. Here comes the dreamer to these brothers that are very mad at him. They decide to throw him in the pit. Reuben steps up and says, no, 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 it's our brother. You know, Ken is back there smiling. He's probably treated his brother that way before. Or his sister, right? (laughs) What brotherly love, what things they get into. But they sincerely wanted to do away with him until Reuben says, come on, guys. This is our flesh and blood. We can't do this. So they're sitting there. Joseph gets near, and they said, you know what? If we kill him, we just got rid of him. But if we sell him, we can make some money. Wow. There's a good reason not to kill him, right? We can make more money if we just sell them. So here comes this this band of uh, merchants, and they come by, and they basically sell their brother as a slave to them that are headed to Egypt. When they get to Egypt, I'm sure he's he's sold again and and, and given to Potiphar, and and, uh, they make money. And here's Joseph. What has he done wrong? He's in a pit. He's thrown in this pit. He's sold as a slave. A 17-year-old little boy that really didn't do anything wrong but just tell him about the dream that God gave him. And I want to ask you today, you know, as you think about this, this pit that you may have been in, sometimes pits are tough, aren't they? You say, well, I've never been thrown in a pit, Brother Kenny. I bet you have. You might not call it a pit. Anybody ever lost a job? Anybody ever lost a loved one? Anybody ever gone to the doctor and the report wasn't great? Or you woke up one morning and you had this knot or you had something going on you wasn't sure of and it terrified you? There's your pit. There's your pit. What are you going to do with it? I, uh, there, there's been children that have been thrown into pits. It wasn't no fault of theirs. But it was the hand that life dealt them. 
And many of them have struggles coming over these pits. Let me, but I want you to be thinking about that as we go through this story. And as I told you, we're going to be covering verses or chapter 37 through 50. But I'm not going to read every verse. I'm just going to sort of give you the narrative. In Genesis 41, we see where how Joseph is about 30 years old now. Now Joseph is uh, up to this point. He was sold at the age of 17 into Egypt as a slave. And, and he's taking care of uh, uh, Potiphar's house, and, and he's accused falsely there. Potiphar's wife thinks Joseph's a good-looking young man, and she wants to be with him. But Joseph wanted to have any part of it. And Joseph refused to be with her and all that. Well, it made her mad. So you know what she did? She falsely accused him. He said, he tried to, he tried to have his way with me. So then they throw him into prison. Here's Joseph, a young boy. He's yet to do anything really wrong. But he's in this pit. He, they brought him out of a pit, but he's in the pit of life. Things aren't going very well for Joseph, and what have I done wrong? Anybody ever felt that way? What did I do that I got to go through this? But while he's in prison, he interprets a dream for a, a baker. This, this baker that's thrown in there for whatever reason, he's, he's there and he has a dream and, and Joseph interprets his dream. And he tells him about how Pharaoh's going to release him in three days. And he, and he talks about this other, uh, the, the baker and the butler and, and the, the butler and he t- tells him, he said, hey, you know, it's not going to turn out too good for you. He interprets a dream there. So while they're there, Pharaoh has a dream. And Joseph is pushing around 30 years old now. So how long has he been in this pit? This is important for you to know. He was sold at 17. 23 years he's been in the pit. No fault of his own. 23 years he's been going through this and, 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 and Joseph is steadily being faithful. Joseph never gives up. You think he ever got discouraged? I'm, I'm sure he had to get it. He's human. He had to get discouraged. He had to go through, but he never gave up. He never quit. He never, uh, when, when Pharaoh says, hey, I've had a dream and none of his people could interpret the dream, this butler says, uh, hey, I remember a guy in prison. When I was in prison, he interpreted my dreams. I bet he can interpret yours, Pharaoh. So they call for Joseph. And Pharaoh tells him the dream. And Joseph interprets the dream. He says, hey, there's going to be seven years of plenty. The crops are going to do well. We're going to have rain. And all is going to be great for seven years. And see, Pharaoh looks at him, and the reason I know Joseph doesn't give up is, and he stays faithful is because Pharaoh looks at him and says, you're an interpreter of dreams. You can tell what this is all about. He says, no, it's not me, but it's God. Joseph is faithful to give the credit to God, even though he's been in this pit for 23 years. So... He tells, Pharaoh tells him the dream. He interprets the dream. And he says there's going to be seven years of plenty, and then there's going to be seven years of famine. 
So Pharaoh takes Joseph and makes him governor over Egypt. He just puts him in charge of everything. He says, you know, you're exactly right, Pharaoh. Or Pharaoh says, Joseph, you're, you're exactly right. I, I believe that this is an interpretation, interpretation. God's telling me this. And he's told you this. And for this, and because you've been faithful, uh, you, the, they look for a spiritual man that could be over. They said, okay, if there's going to be seven years of good and then seven years of famine, we better start preparing. So who is spiritual enough, who trusts God enough that we could put over this to, to have the insight enough to prepare us for the famine to come? And Pharaoh says, hey, who would, none other but Joseph. Let's make him in charge of all. So he makes him governor of all the land. He's second only to Pharaoh. Wow. This little 17-year-old boy that was thrown into a pit and sold as a slave now becomes second over all of Egypt. Only one he answers to is Pharaoh. And Pharaoh says, whatever he says do, do it. So we see that in verse 41. And then we see that in verse four, or chapter 41, chapter 42, we see the famine begins. Well, now the, the story changed back to the family, to, Jake, to Jacob and all of his other 11 brothers. And the famine has hit them pretty hard too. And so they go to Egypt to find grain, to find corn, to find bread, and uh, to buy it. And so we see in chapter 42, and they, they, they came and they, they wanted to buy it. And, and you know, they didn't even recognize Joseph. Been 20-something years. He was a 17-year-old boy last time they saw him, and for all they knew, he was dead. Robin's telling me something, and it's distracted. Wasn't it? 13. 13 years. I'm not, I'm not adding right. No, 13 years. 23. You're right. Thank you. She'll get me straightened out. <laughs> Got too much on my mind. I never said math was my strong point. 13 years, not 23 years. Thank you. So here comes the, the brothers. They're looking for grain in chapter 42. They don't even recognize Joseph. And, and, and they, they, uh, they, they get the grain, and Joseph recognizes who they are. And then he plays this uh, interesting little trick, game, whatever you want to call it. And they don't recognize their brother, but he recognizes them. And he tells his servants, he says, fill their bags full of corn, full of grain, whatever they need. And the money they used to buy it, put it back in the bags. Don't even charge them for it. And send them back to their father. Joseph was, could have been very vengeful, right? That's what I'd done. <laughs> no. I'll give you one bag to take to dad, but the rest of you can starve to death. That's what I'd be in, right? No, Joseph says, you fill their bags up. And you even take their money and put it back in the bags. He had every right in the world to, to get vengeance against them. To, to pour out his wrath on them, and he would have been so, supported by Pharaoh himself. Because Pharaoh had already said, whatever he says, do it. 
He could have had them all killed right there on the spot. He could have made them all slaves right there. That would have got them back, right? That would have made things right. You ever been in a pit and you just really wanted to get them back for what they did to you? They promoted me over somebody else. Hello? I should have got that job. I should have got that house. I should have got, you know, whatever. I should have been chosen the, the whatever of school, you know, the president of the student body. I should have been, that should have been mine. And we want to get back sometimes. I didn't deserve this life that I have. But Joseph was very forgiving. Joseph showed kindness to his brothers and they didn't even understand it. So he sends them back to the father and then, and they come back. Uh, he says, look, I'm, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to send you back. But one of you's got to stay. And he, he called them spies. And he says, he says, to prove you're not a spy to me, bring your younger, youngest brother. Because they told him, he said, that we got one brother that's dead. Talking about Joseph. And there, yeah, there's only one younger brother and daddy's not letting him out of his sight. Daddy's still mourning the loss of, his, of the other young brother. And he's not going to let him go for nothing. He said, well, I want him here. Joseph would tell him, I want him here. And I'm keeping one of the brothers until you bring him back to prove that you're not a spy. So they go, they eat, they, they do that. They tell the father that. And the father says, nope, we're not doing that. Not today, y'all. Well, they ran out of more grain and they had to go back. And, and uh, one of the brothers explained to the father, said, Dad, we can't go back. Pharaoh's governor has said that he's accused us of being spies and he still holds our brother. And we can't go back or he'll say we're spies if we don't take the younger brother with us. This is proof that we're not spies. And so finally the dad, Jacob, agrees. He sends the younger brother. And this story just sort of unfolds about how Joseph treats his brothers and he's there with them. The younger brother comes and, and he, he wants him to stay. He says, go get your dad. No, we can't go back with him. See, daddy's still grieving over Joseph. And if we go back and we don't have the youngest brother, it'll kill him. It's going to kill Jacob. It calls him Israel. Jacob and Israel are the same person. It's going to kill dad if we don't bring him back. So they go back and, and the story unfolds even more. And, and, and Joseph really can't stand it. Oh, they didn't go back. Joseph really can't stand it anymore. He sends all the servants away and says, all right, come here, bro, guys. I got something to tell you. I'm Joseph. I'm the one you sold to be a slave. Look at me now. <laughs> no, he didn't do that. See, I'm Joseph. I'm the one you sold. See, and they, and they even talked about in chapter 42 uh, that, that God is, is grieved with us because we're, we're guilty concerning our brother. It says that, that in that we saw the anguish of his soul when he was in the pit. When we threw him in the pit, we heard him howling and screaming when he besought us. But we would not hear. 
We definitely, we just sat there while he's hollering and screaming in the pit and we ate bread. We could care less what, what he was hurting from. But Joseph, when he revealed himself to him here, he says in, ver, in chapter 45, he says, Now therefore be not grieved nor angry with yourselves that you sold me hither. Listen what he says. For God did send me before you to preserve life. Wow, what a testimony. You ever just been hurt, hurt, bad, hurt, cut deep to the bone, and you just, that's okay. God has a purpose. God has a plan. That's tough, isn't it? That's easy preaching, hard living. But that should be all of our response is that God is in control. God is doing this for his purpose, for his plan. But I'm in the pit, Brother Kenny. It's terrible. I don't deserve this. I don't understand this. But God has a plan. He said, God sent me before you to preserve life. Verse 7, he said, and God sent me before you to preserve you and to uh, posterity in the earth and to save your lives by great deliverance. So now it was not you that sent me here. What? They slowed him as a slave, but look at Joseph's thought. You didn't send me here. It's like, y'all thought you threw me in the pit and sold me, but <laughs> it wasn't you. It wasn't you that did it. He said it was God that did it. But God, and he hath made me the father of Pharaoh. He's not the father, literally, of Pharaoh, but he is like a, an overseer. He, he's like giving Pharaoh advice, and he's giving Pharaoh instructions about how he... He said, look at me now. God's put me in this place. You thought you were selling me into slavery. You thought you were doing away with me for good. But now you stand before me and look what God has done in my life because of you. So this is all neat, Brother Kenny. But how does it apply to me? Let's look at Genesis 50 and then we'll do an application of what does this mean to me? At this point, at Genesis 50, Je Joseph's father, Jacob, has died. He has blessed the sons and the grandsons, and he has passed away. And Joseph returned into Egypt, he and his brethren, uh, after they had buried his father, after they went up with him to bury his father, and after he had buried his father. And when Joseph saw, uh, and when Joseph's brethren saw that their father was dead, they said, Joseph will preadventure hate us and will certainly requite, requite us all the evil which we have done unto him. And they sent a messenger and Joseph saying, thy father did command thee before he died, saying, so shall ye, saying to Joseph, forgive, I pray thee now, the trespass of thy brethren and their sin. See, the brothers are at the point that they thought the only thing that spared them was daddy. Daddy was the only thing keeping them safe. I've been there before. <laughs> my brother, my older brother, get mess wrestling me, and you know where I ran to daddy. The safe place. 
But that's what they thought all along. They still didn't get it. Joseph had told them already, you didn't do this, but God's brought me here. And now daddy's gone and the brothers are still leaning on daddy. They didn't get it. After Joseph had already told them, God did it. You didn't do it. And I'm not angry. I love you. I forgive you. It's all good. Because I know God's in control. But daddy's gone. They're worried that Joseph's going to be mad. In verse 19 of chapter 50. I want you to focus on these verses. 19 and 20. And Joseph said to them, Fear not, for I am I in the place of God. What's he saying there? He's, he didn't know it, but he was re- quoting Romans uh, chapter 12, verse 17 through 21. Recompense no, to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible, as much as lie in you, live peaceably with all men, especially your brothers. They don't say that. I added that. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves. But rather give place unto wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if thy enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirsts, give him drink. Did Joseph do this for his brothers? Absolutely. For in so doing, thou shalt heat coals of fire upon his head. But but. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. Are you in a pit? First thing you want to do is go out and get vengeance, right? You'll show them I'm a better worker. You'll show them I'll make my life better. And there's even a song out there, look at me now. Now that I'm on my way. That wasn't the story of Joseph. He says, look at me now, what God has done in my life because of you. He understood that God was in control of all things. And he understood that that even though it was bad and all the rest, he said, I'm not the judge. God's the only judge there is. We got to remember that. People may have done you wrong along the way and you fill in the blank of what it is. I'm sure each and every one of you can think of a time in your life that you felt you just didn't get the best deal or that you were thrown in a pit of some sort. God is the ultimate judge and God will repay for those who do evil. See, when when we put ourselves as judge and we want vengeance, we're putting ourselves in the place of an almighty God. That's what Joseph was saying. Am I in the place of God? Absolutely not, he says. It's not my place to judge. It's my place to live peaceably with all men. It's my place to love as my heavenly father loves me. It's my place to forgive as my heavenly father forgives me. It's my place to throw mercy as my heavenly father shows me mercy. See, Jesus talks about that uh, in that you... You love because you've been loved. That's the way Christians should respond. That's the way Christians act. We don't go for vengeance. We don't go around with our head down and think life has just been bad to me. Woe is me. 
Look what Joseph says in 50:20. But as for you, he thought you thought evil against me. He's talking to the brother. You were bring, wanting to bring evil against me, but God meant it to good to bring to pass. To bring to pass. I mean, God is the master builder. If you're bringing something to pass, it's like you're building something. You're working on something. You're making things work into a plan that maybe you don't understand. But God understands. And I, as he says, but you, you meant it for your evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring it to pass as in this day to save much people. Joseph is telling her brother, yeah, you're mean, you're ornery. You meant it for bad, but God took this bad and made it beautiful. I think of the, the flood with that. And, they, and we talk about how terrible the flood was and God's judgment on the whole earth. But you know from the flood, we have great mountains. We have great waterfalls. We have great be- God is in the business of restoration. God is in the business of taking something very, very bad and making it very, very good. And that means in your life too, in my life. And we forget that a lot of time, that, that God is always working. He's the master builder. Philippians 2.13 says, For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. It's God working. God's doing it. Not you, not them, not your boss, not the doctor. It's God at work. Do you all understand that? Y'all get that? That God is in every little thing, even when we don't understand it. Even when we don't understand it, and when we'd like to lash out in vengeance or, or just be down and out and depressed about the things that are going on. Jesus said in John 5, he says, My Father worketh hitherto. He says, and I work. People, we got to understand something. God is not just sitting up there on the throne saying, Oh, I'm glad when this is over. These people are so naive. I can't say stupid, can I? But we look around the world today and you say, wow, is there any hope? People, God is at work. 9-11, we looked at that this week. We remembered that this week. And as bad as that work was, I believe God made something beautiful out of it. I believe God is trying to send a wake-up call to America. I believe God is working even in bad things like that uh, to, to bring us back, to fulfill, his, to fulfill his purpose and his plan. You know, my, I've talked to my brothers and sisters, and there's been so much going on, and, and we come up with this uh, uh, homeland security. And you look back since 2001 to today, all the things that have been put into place. And, you know, really, it's, we've lost a lot of rights, a lot of freedom because of it, because of terrorism and all the rest. And, lie, and people's mindsets are changing about so many things. And I've talked to my brother and said, what are we going to do? And I said, hey, we're not going to do nothing. God is in control. God is at work. Working his plan, these things must be before he can come again. Y'all got that? 
Some of these things just got to happen. The Antichrist can't set up a one world rule if we got a whole nation of Americans that are armed to the hilt and saying, you'll not, take me, you'll not tell me what to do. But we see slowly after the last almost 20 years how our society could, I, I believe that once the rapture happens and Christians are taken out of the way, I don't believe it's going to be hard for, for America to say except a one world rule. I really don't. After you see some of the things that's said and done. I mean, we have people running for president that are, oh, I'm not going to get all that. <laughs> Into socialism and all this junk. It's running rampant in our country and throughout the world. But it's got to be for the world to accept a one world order run by the Antichrist. It's got to be. I believe Christ is returning soon. God is at work is my point. Even when it looks like there is no hope. As Christians, we quote the verse Romans 8, 28. For we know all things that work together for them that love God and called according to his purpose. We quote that all the time. Sometimes we quote it to people that are really hurting and you want to just smack them, don't you? Let's be careful with that verse. It is very true. But sometimes that's not the verse to quote when somebody is in the pit. Could you imagine the brothers, Joseph, oh, let me out, let me out. All things work together for good. You love God and you're called according to his purpose. He'll get you out of that pit, brother. Joseph could have got out there. He'd beat them all with a baseball bat, I believe. Be careful how you, that is a very true thing. But sometimes when people in their most tender moment in the pit they just want an arm to around them to love them, to encourage them and to lift them up. They don't need you to quote some scripture about how they've fallen away and, and all this. You need to just love them and care for them. You need to explain to them that God is in control, that he does love them, that he will work it out, and you'll be right there with them. I want to ask you, have you ever been dealt a bad hand from the past? Me and Robin got a saying. We went through some difficult times too, like all of us do. And we got this saying from this day forward. I can't change the past. I can't change the hurt. I can't change the pain and all that happened around it. But from this day forward, I will do my best to love I'll do my best to serve my Lord and Savior. From this day, people, we can't change the past. The past is gone. See, it took Joseph, I don't know, Robin, tell me the math. I thought it was 37. He was about 37 years old at this point to get him out of this pit. See, a lot of times I think we, we make that mistake in the scripture and we read something and because it's just a couple of chapters, we think, well, Joseph was in the pit and the next thing you know, he's governor over Egypt. 37 years old. 20 years had passed. Did I get that math right? 20 years had passed since they threw him in that pit. A lot of us, uh, we look at Paul and we say, oh, Paul saw the light on the road to Damascus and, and then he just preached and did great things for the Lord. But you forget he spent three years in silence, 
studying God's word before he ever began his ministry. Look at John the Baptist. How many years did he spend in the wilderness eating nuts and berries and honey? All by himself as a wild man before he came out and performed the ministry. How many years did our Savior spend before he began his ministry? At 33 years old. We've got to remember in Scripture that it doesn't just always happen right then. God, God is working things out. God's going to make it right in his time, and it may not be quick. It may not happen overnight. It may take years. But we can't ever give up that God is working thing, all things for his purpose and for his plan. This week has been a, a special week, I guess, to me. Uh, Taylor, our daughter-in-law, for 28 years hasn't known who her dad was. No idea who daddy was. Didn't really have a daddy figure even growing up. Until I came along. But I've tried to encourage her and all the rest. Well, she has found her dad now. And she spent the weekend with him. Had a great time. But for 28 years, no idea who daddy was. And found out he's a loving man, grandfather, loves, would have loved. He had no idea that she was even alive. He had no idea that he had a child. It's one of them stories. But he got to spend the last few days with him, and Taylor's just like, wow, I wish I'd have known him before. And, and, and part of the scenario of the last few days is be mad at Taylor's mama. I hope Taylor don't mind this, but it's just a, the truth of how we react. Be mad at Taylor. How could she have not have known? She robbed him. She robbed Taylor. All these circumstances that he threw me in a pit. And for 28 years I've had to live this way without a daddy. And she could have been very bitter, but Taylor hadn't been. There's been questions, sure. But as we talked and looked at that, and we said, you know what, Taylor? If you had known about your daddy, you'd probably never met Bradley. We'd probably never have Mason. He probably wouldn't have the greatest papio in the world. But see, God is working all things for his purpose, for his plan, to bring it up for his glory. Sometimes it takes years. I've got a friend, a very dear friend that I grew up with now. His son died yesterday at 20-something years old. Parents, we're not supposed to bury our children. You can imagine how hard that is. And you could imagine my buddy is in a, and his wife are in a pit and their whole family's in a pit right now. And I'm sure they could ask, why, God? Why this? Why that? But he told me yesterday that God's working this for his purpose. He's working it for his plan. And he said, you know, we talked about it, prayed about it, and we've decided to leave him on life support long enough for them to find people that can use my son's organs to help other people. What a great positive attitude. 
I told him, I couldn't imagine what you're going, don't want to imagine what you're going through. But what an attitude he had that God is in control. God is, is, is what could be used as evil, God is using for good. Have you ever been thrown into a pit and you want vengeance? See, it's bad enough when our enemies throw us in a pit. You know what? People don't really care. Like, But what about when it's family? What about it when it's church people? It's so easy for us to give up and throw in the towel. But we got to keep in our mind that God is working all things. The early church was persecuted by the Romans. And wow, there's a pit, isn't it? But you know, all it did is made the church scatter. It made the gospel spread like wildfire. God there again is working his plan and his purpose for his glory. That people look at our Savior. And I'll close. See, a lot in Joseph here was a picture of our Savior who came to Israel. See, these 11 sons were all the names of the tribes of all 12 of Israel. And Jesus came to Israel and they they refused him and they rejected him as a Messiah. And they nailed him on a cross. They put him in a pit. The Romans put him on a cross, you could say, but really all of us put him on that cross. And what we thought was so terrible and what we look at is he was sinless, he was perfect, he never did anything wrong, but God had a plan. God was bringing salvation to you and me for his purpose, for his glory, for our good. We've got to always remember that. Know how, know how bad your situation is. God is working to do his good pleasure. And I feel in the, in the Genesis 50, 21, that Joseph told his brother, Now therefore fear not, I will nourish you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spake, spake kindly to the, them. Is your situation not fair? God will repay. We may not understand, but God knows. We may not see a way out, but God's already made the way. We may be hurting deeply, but our Heavenly Father is the great comforter. I can see our Father said, I know you're going through trouble. I know you feel like you're in a pit. I know things aren't going like you think, but I'm the great provider. I'm the great healer. I'm the great comforter. And guys, I've got a plan if you'll just stick with me. So what do we do while we're in the pit? Why do we do when we're going through things we just don't think are right? Just like Joseph. Just every situation that comes up, let God have the glory. Everything that comes into your life, just say, Lord, I don't understand, but you're working and I give you the glory. That's tough sometimes. I know it. I've been on the other side of that and just it would seem you're so hurt and so down that you just can't seem to see which way's up. God knows it. And God has a plan to fulfill his purpose 
for his glory and your good. Father, we thank you for the day. We thank you for your blessings to us, for your love. Lord, and some of us are in a pit for our own faults. Some of us are in a pit because of faults of others. Some are in a pit because of no fault of anyone. Father, I ask that you just comfort and you bring peace that only you can bring. Lord, I pray for my friend and their family that have lost this loved one. And what a testimony it is to know that he's in heaven with you today. And that their parents know that and that their parents know that you have a plan. Lord, we just thank you for all your blessings when we don't deserve them. And Lord, how you want to use each and every one of us to fulfill your purpose and your plan for your glory. Lord, just help us to always look to you for that. Lead and guide us in all that we say and do in your perfect will. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.